0: see each one of you here tonight. Appreciate all of you that went to the funeral, stood for the duration of the message, let the family sit down. Um, I was trying to find the graveside and didn't know it was going to be in the mausoleum or whatever that place is. And I was amazed at the number of cars that were lined up around that place to honor and appreciate Miss Hazel. Uh, You know, sometimes... You just don't know what kind of influence a person has. And I know Miss a- Hazel was a blessing. This past June, this goes along with my message, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Thank you, Brother Randy, for that good message. Always good to hear you preach. We'll have to give him a whole service next time, amen, because he's past 40, I know. But anyway, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I want to preach uh, my 10th message on the measurement of your life or evaluating your life through God's perspective. And uh, as I think about Miss Hazel, I think about her availability to invest in other people's lives. She had her arm and hand severed several years ago. I think it was probably 20 or 30 years ago, I'm not sure, a plant accident. Got caught caught one of those machines and just took her whole right hand off and arm. And I want to tell you something, she didn't get bitter, she got better. And I know that she probably went through some terrible times. But she used that for the glory of God and didn't use it as an excuse. And she didn't lose her, her zeal and determination and compassion to serve God. I asked her this past uh, year, I said, don't you want to take off a year? Because it's going to be real hot in June. And she said, you listen to me. Now, we called her, behind the scene, we called her Sister Sergeant. Because she flat would tell you like it is. And she wouldn't hold back anything, but she did it in a very nice way some of the times. Anyway, uh, she said, I'm going to tell you this, Brother Wayne. If I have to hire an ambulance, I'm going to be at Vacation Bible School, and I'm going to serve those little bus kids their supper if I have to hire an ambulance. Now, you don't know how much that spoke to my heart, because most times preachers are in the begging business. They're begging people to work. They're begging people to teach. They're begging people to serve. And here she was, says, I'll take an amulet to the house of God to serve a sandwich in the name of Jesus. And so this is our 10th week, I believe. might be 11th that I preached on how to evaluate your life in God's eyes, and his perspective. The first week was on love. Love evaluates your life. I want to tell you something, folks. Humility evaluates your life. You've got to realize you can't do it without him. Amen? And then intercession and communion we went on with uh, joy. The joy of the Lord uh, measures your life. How much joy do you have in everyday living? And then, uh, of course, there's um, words and thoughts. Oh, how a pungent message that was to my heart about my thought life. Folks, as a man thinketh, so is he. Proverbs 23, uh, chapter, uh, Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7, I believe it is. And uh, folks, uh, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So a lot has to do with your thought life, amen? A penny for your thought. What do you think about most of the day? Do you think about yourself? Do you think about how sorry everything is? And do you think about the braves? I was noticing the braves uh, a couple of innings uh, right before I uh, came to the house of God and, and the whole stands were empty. And I thought to myself, if this is a, if this is a phony make-believe epidemic, then why in the world are people losing millions of dollars a game? because none of these stores can open, none of these uh, um, uh, uh, restaurants can open and man they're losing thousands of dollars. It's got to be real for them to lose bucks. If it wasn't real, and it was just the mayor's or the excuse me the governor's decree, the governor would be out, I promise you. And so this is real stuff, and we need to pray. And be cautious but I want uh, to to uh, con- uh, I'll have one more message before August and I'm going to preach on faith next week the measurement of your life but I want to preach on the measure of your life by your investment by your investment you know what I really appreciate about miss Hazel and she preached her own funeral this morning is this that she invested her life in others uh, she left her house open the uh, and having all the utilities on, so if her children needed a place to come and stay, it'd be available. She was always thinking about others. God bless her. So I wanna preach just a few minutes on investment. What do you invest in your life? And by the way, you can invest on this uh, nasty now and now, or you can invest in the sweet by and by. Only what's done for Christ will last. Now get this now, only what's done for Christ will last. And folks, you need to give your days to Jesus. For it's, the, it's the only life that pays when you recall you have but one life. And so the way to invest your life is to sow and to sow seeds of kindness and love. Send a card. We're thinking about sending cards to all these folks that we had not seen in months and months. Uh, sending a card means a lot. A phone call. Hey, I want to tell you another way you can invest in others. Smile. Now, that means you're going to have to draw it on your mask, probably, praise God. But I'm just saying, a smile does something for somebody. Amen? A frown, you want to to say, well, what's wrong with them? And folks, as Christians, there ought to be a smile upon our face. And we ought to sometimes have to smile by faith, not fake it. But I mean, know that the Lord's presence is enough. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, I want you to look at verse 8. And I'll read several verses so uh, you can stand in your heart during the whole message. I won't have you stand but I want you to look at this. It says, God is able. How many can say amen to that? 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. You with me? And it says, to make all grace abound towards you. Now listen, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound in every good work. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. God Almighty measures your life by your investment. He expects a gain. If you turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Tonight, you'll see, first of all, life is given to you to invest. Life is given to you and invest. In other words, it's a sacred trust. God didn't give your life just to be happy. God didn't give your life just to be uh, prosperous or, 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 or wealthy. God gave you your life. He birthed you into existence. Thank God he, w- he allows you to be born again if you're saved for one reason, and that's to invest your life in his glory to invest your life in the furtherance of the gospel and to invest your life in eternity. Some of you are not going to live to about 70 or 80 years old, but you're going to live forever somewhere, and either in hell or heaven. If you're saved, you're going to heaven, and you're going to give account of everything you did from the day that you saved to the day the rapture took place or God calls you home. But in Matthew chapter 25 is a great and interesting parable. What's a parable? It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I like verse 13 of Matthew chapter 25. It says this, Verily I say unto you, Wheresoever the, the gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there shall also uh, be this. Oh, I'm in chapter 26. That's good too. Amen. But uh, chapter 25 verse 13 says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour where the Son of Man cometh. Now he's talking about the suddenness of the, of the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives a parable. Here it is. And the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country. That's us on this earth. Who called his own servants. Notice the word servant. That's what you ought to be. And deliver unto them his goods. I want you to notice that. His goods. Everything you have is God's. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body and your spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. The Bible tells us that God created us. God saves us and God sustains us. He has a threefold right for your life. And your life is not your own. But look at verse 15. It says, and to me he gave five talents, uh, and to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Now, folks, God's blessed us all with gifts. Some have more gifts than others. Uh, s- some you try to figure out what your gift is, but you have one. And look at verse uh, 16. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that receiveth two, he also gained two. But he that receiveth one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Now listen to this. And after a long time, the Lord uh, of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And here's what he said. He said, and so he he that received the five talents came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest to me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Amen. His Lord said to him, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Some people are not going to be shouting when they get to heaven. They're going to be pouting. Because they used their life for themselves. But look at this. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I gained two other talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Here's key verse, verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man. He didn't know God. Reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not straw. I was afraid and I went and hid the talent in the earth. And lo, there thou hast, uh, thou hast thine is mine. And his Lord answered and said to him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest thou reap where I sowed not and gathers where I have not straw. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him, give it unto him that which hath ten talents. And every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance, but from him that hath not be taken away, even hath he hath, and cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. Therefore there be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Only one life. And I believe we can measure our life, evaluate our life by how much we invest our life for God's glory. How much we invest our lives to bring joy to others, not get joy for ourselves, How much we live for others instead of self. And how much we live for the next world instead of this world. How much we live for eternity and not the 70 or 80 years that God gives you. I hope he gives you more than 70 I'm almost there. But folks, listen, life is given to you to invest. Write it down. Life is given to you to invest. And folks, it ought to be an investment. The Lord um, uh, expects a return. He's an investor. Um, and what does he give you? Well, I'm going to tell you what he gives you. He gives you time, and he gives you talents, and he gives you treasures, and he gives you this truth. And the Bible says that we're stewards of the gospel. First uh uh, we're put in trust with the gospel, excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. And the Bible recognizes the ownership of God. Notice in this parable real quick, it says his goods, his goods. Folks, it's his servants. And folks, the Bible says in Exodus 19, verse 5, all the earth, hurry back, all the earth is mine. Psalms 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And a lot of us are getting fuller, amen? I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid of this uh, virus. I'm afraid of dying of a heart attack if I keep eating, amen? I mean, boy, this quarantine's been rough on my diet. Amen. I, I ain't gonna tell you how much weight I've gained. Good, grace is lie. I thought it was my heavy tennis shoes when I got on the weight uh, scales. But anyway, Haggai chapter two, verse eight says this, the silver's mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord. But I want you to look real quick at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 6. Don't you love the Word of God? Amen. That was a great message. De- uh, Deuteronomy 32 and verse 6. I'll try not to keep you long. We don't have a nursery. Um, I know y'all are uncomfortable with those masks on, so we're going to try to uh, keep all these messages as short as possible. I said that this morning I preached 17 minutes because uh, I, I looked at the video after I got home. I said, I want to know how long I preached. And that was about the shortest I've ever preached a message uh, a funeral message. Now, that didn't count the invitation in the four songs. Amen. But anyway, it was a good service. Deuteronomy 32, and I want you to look at it real quick, verse 6. Deuteronomy 32, verse 6. Do you requite the Lord? That means do you shake your fist at God and argue with him? A lot of people have been arguing with God lately. But look at this. This is O foolish people and unwise, is not he thy father that has bought thee? I want to tell you something, friend. I want to tell you why you ought to be an investor in God's glory, why you ought to be a sower, why you ought to be concerned about a ministry for your life, a ministry of teaching, a ministry of giving, a ministry of driving that old bus if we can ever get it cranked, a ministry of of just being one that uh, encourages people and loves people and calls people and, and leads people, a good example But it says, because you're saved. You're saved by the grace of God. Not saved to bast in the blessings of God, but saved to minister. Great investment. Folks, only what's done for Christ will last. And by the way, only what's done for Christ will will, uh, uh, be left as a legacy when you die. You know, I'm so proud of my children. Uh, They're living for God. And it's only by the grace of God and a good mama And folks, we've been missing them a lot. We've been in quarantine most of the time, away from our children, because our missionary children go into all kinds of churches, and most churches don't even have any kind of restraints, which I don't respect at all. And they get exposed to it. That's how Kevin called it up in Maryland, a guy that said, "I ain't got no restraints," and I, you know, I know him very well. I'd like to call him up and say, "You ought to have a little restraint." Praise God, but you know that's their church. We're independent Baptists. We don't tell another church how to do it. But I want to tell you something, friend. Thank God for children that go on after you die. See, my, 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 my life lives on. Uh, when, when, I, when I die, uh, Jason can carry on. Stephen can carry on. Uh, Stephanie and um, Amy can carry on. And it's a blessing to see the grandchildren turn out right. Last night we had a surprise call from from Addie and Kinsley and Selah, and they all was on uh, what, Skype, uh, Messenger, I don't know. They were all you know, on the phone. You know? And they wanted to give Mimi and myself a grand tour of where they were on vacation because they didn't invite us. And I'm hurt. But you know why? Because that means I'm old and I'm medically challenged, so I can't go on vacation. So they get this night, and we've been looking for this for years, that when they came home, we was going to have a family vacation and boy, the, child, the grandchildren were so concerned about us that they did, gave us a virtual 56-minute tour of every part of the house that we really didn't, really didn't want to see: closets, bathrooms, showers. Sailors saying, Look at this shower, Papa. I said, That's great. Praise God. I hadn't seen one like that in a while. Amen. Then they took us outside, and showed us a palm tree with some red berries, and they shook it and took it off, cut one in half. I mean, they were having a time. 56 minutes, they cared about their Papa and they cared about their Mimi, and it made our night. That's just a little investment. It's just a little giving. It's just a little kindness. Now, where were they taught that? They had to be taught that by mom and daddy. Say amen. i want to tell you something, friend. It's a lasting investment, a lasting legacy, and thank God we ought to pay the price. Haggai 2.8 says, the silver is mine, and folks, we're created. Let me finish this verse. It says, he that has bought us, and he that has made us. Number two right that God has on your life is he made you. Now, if you think you came from one cell, uh, a meebo that flipped over and became a tadpole, and the tadpole got so jumpy, it became a frog, and the frog got so hairy, it became an ape, and the ape got so intelligent, he showed up at Mohawk on the executive training program, you got another thought coming. If monkeys made men back then, why don't monkeys uh, uh, come out of man now, or uh, men come out of monkeys now? I've been down Grant Park many, many times. I've never seen a human being in one of those cages from those monkeys, folks, because we we we're created by God, and we're created in His image. And I want to tell you something else: we're created to be like Jesus, who is a giver, not a taker. We're not to be isolated. We're not here for ourselves. We're here for the furtherance of the gospel. And I want to tell you something: it was hot Sunday afternoon, hot. And I want to tell you something: these folks went out and knocked on doors with this stinking mask on. Pardon the expression and distance themselves, and we're ministering to those children because it's an investment in the next generation. It's an investment on the next preacher. It's an investment for the next missionary. It's an investment for the next mama or daddy that'll have a decent home and not live in chaos like some of their parents are. That's an investment, but it's not easy. Sunday afternoon is nap time for most of us. When you get over 60, you'll find that out, Brother Chris. But here they were visiting. That's an investment. Bus ministry is an investment. Sunday school ministry is an investment. I was watching my daughter-in-law teach Sunday morning. I said, man, praise God, she's got the gift of communicating with kids. I mean, she was making it simple where I could understand it. And she was repeating it. And she was, she was, she was very uh, you know, uh, using good illustrations. And I thought to myself, uh, that's hard for 21 weeks. Brother Jack, it's hard to teach to your wife 21 weeks she's probably back out there she's probably off off the, off the camera sticking her tongue out at you i don't know no no really, she wouldn't do that she's encouraging him she was the she's the production manager praise God and folks it's not easy to do that during this 21 weeks of uh, pandemic but it's an investment and you never know who's listening you never know and i've seen some ex-members and i mean real ex-members watching y'all Sunday school class Amen. They didn't watch me preach, but they watch the Sunday school class. Amen. It's an investment. Why? Because he saved you. He made you. And look at the last part of the verse. And he has established thee. He sustained you. I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to tell you real quick and we're going to close. The reason God expects a return is because he spared you for such a time as this. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's under the grace of God you didn't die in a car accident this past year. Amen. It's only the grace of God you're not down there on a ventilator like Doctor Sammy Allen, struggling for the next breath, and they say that is the most painful, agonizing disease you can get. I'm not trying to scare any of you. You don't want it. It's not. Hey, it's much more than the flu. Say amen right there, Danielle. You know it is. She wouldn't be wearing some mask, carrying a baby, and and going 24/7 and as a nurse if it wasn't real. And it's really crisis time for us to do right, do better. But folks, God gave you one breath to serve him. He gives you another breath to serve him. He doesn't give you a breath just to enjoy breathing. He doesn't give you breath just to run for election, unless God calls you that. Life, listen, time, talent, treasures, and truth, life and all its blessings is a sacred trust. Write it down, it's a sacred trust. I thank God for the years that God's given me. And I want to say this, I feel a little guilty because I feel so good. Now, I might feel so bad tomorrow, Brother Jack, but I feel so good. I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe I need those extra five pounds, I don't know, but it's just a blessing to be healthy. It's a blessing to be able to get up. It's a blessing to move. It's a blessing to be able to be active. Say amen, Brother Lamar. I saw you at the funeral today, standing up for 17 and a half minutes. Praise God, it's wonderful. And folks, I want to tell you something. We're redeemed by the precious blood. We're bought from the slavery of sin. And thank God we belong to the one that's paid the price. Good investment to give your life. You're measured by your investments. Let me just say, second of all, life has a potential and power to be an eternal investment. I want to get back to our text, and I'll close. I'll try to have you out of here in just a few minutes. But I want you to see a powerful verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 or verse 8 chapter 8 verse 7. 2 Corinthians 8, 7, real quick. The Bible says this, and I'm going to give it to you. It says, Therefore, as you abound in everything, in faith, and utterance, knowledge, and all diligence, and your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. Now, what's this grace also? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. You with me? I want to tell you what this grace also is. If you'll read verse 1 through 6. You'll find out what it is. But I want to look at verse 8. It says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of foreness of others to prove the sincerity of your love. For we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you might, through his poverty, might be rich. And folks, what this is saying is you have the grace of giving. God gives you the grace of giving. Giving your life for others. People have laid down their life. That's why I respect missionaries so much. I'm glad I'm independent Baptist, so I meet real missionaries, pray with real missionaries, fellowship with real missionaries, and, and uh, have a burden and share their ministry personally. And folks, listen, they it's not easy to go to these Muslim countries. It's not easy to go to these places where they don't have good medical care, but they go on anyway. Why? because they're investing in souls. I would have tried everything I could to stop Mark and Amy from going to South Africa if Mark was going to make money, if Mark was going for a, a business uh, transfer. But Mark Mark's laid on his heart, grew up in his church to go to the mission field to start Camp Rhino to have a youth camp that reach young people that start churches. And I'm gonna tell you something, friend, I miss them. And when they get on that plane in a couple, few weeks, I'll cry, Miss Connie will cry, Miss Brunello will cry. We'll all cry at the airport like a bunch of babies. Only person who won't cry is Jason. He don't cry. But I'm gonna tell you something, friend, he probably goes home and boo-hoos. But anyway, uh, thank God, thank God that they're in the will of God and I can give my daughter to the mission field. It's not easy not easy at all but I'll tell you what it's worth it and I'll just say this friend God has called you to give yourself maybe not to the mission field but to certainly pray for missionaries and to give by faith to missions and and, and to go be a witness to your neighbors this is a great time to witness we ought to invest our lives into getting the gospel out and stop being so prideful that we keep it to ourselves It's a sacred trust. God's given you more than one talent. God expects a return. He's coming back as an investor, and he's invested in you, and his Holy Spirit's in you, and he wants you to put your life on the line and give that other people might be saved. That's the whole, listen, let's don't lose the motive and the mandate and the mission of this church during this stuff. We're not on the survival mode. It seems like we are, you know, we're just hoping we don't get all, you know, go to pieces and fall apart. Friend, we gotta keep going. And we gotta keep reaching souls, and we gotta keep visiting on Sunday afternoon when it's hot and keep in touch with those little bus kids and love them. Why? Because they need to be saved and their parents need to be saved. Folks, it's the grace of God, and that grace is sufficient. I want you to see the investment must be on purpose. Look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7. The Bible says, Every man according to his purpose in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly, but of necessity. 2 Corinthians 9, you with me? Verse 7. For God loveth a cheerful giver. I want to tell you what I to thrill your soul. I should have made that bigger. You can't even see it. But what thrilled, thrills my soul is that my life has a purpose. Daniel 1.8 says, Daniel purposed in his heart. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Purpose in the heart. And if you don't purpose in your heart up front, you will fall for every other purpose. If you don't purpose in your heart, make commitments to God. Everybody's against these commitments and altar calls. I'm gonna tell you something. If you don't make some commitments, you will fall later because you need to d- determine that when temptation comes and when uh, choices come, you'll make the right choice led by the Spirit of God and invest your life in others. And invest your life in I'll tell you what thrills my soul to be in the ministry. I love it. I love it. I love preaching. I love pastoring. I've been here 42 years. Started this church. Didn't know one of y'all except Jason was eight months old. And and, uh, Connie was none of your business hoes. She was. But anyway, thank God. We were young. I had a whole head of black hair. 27 years old, and it's been a long time. But I want to tell you something. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Because I've got to invest my life into your life and invest my life into missions and invest my life in starting this church and seeing it go on and seeing it grow. Folks, it's a wonderful life. It's a blessing. And then he gives us enablement. Look at verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And God is able. Would you underline that? God is able. And folks, that is the might of it. Uh, God is able. He's always able. He'll do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think. But look at this. It says to make all grace abound towards you. And so first of all, we see the might of it. That's God is able to make. And then all grace. All grace. That's the measure of it. All, he'll give you all grace. In other words, if you will sow, God will provide the seed, his word, his spirit. Amen, if you'll just go by God's grace, he'll give you love for people that's hard to love. Have you ever found that to be true? He'll give you wisdom, he'll give you knowledge. He'll give you compassion that makes a difference. Isn't it so hard today not to get hard? Isn't it hard today not to get sort of distant? All this socially distanced and physically distanced? I'll be glad when this stuff's over because that's not Christian to be distant. We ought to be close. But you know, folks, we can still be close spiritually. Folks, there is no way that prayer is bound when you pray for somebody. There's no way that the word of God is bound when you take the word of God and minister to somebody, call them up and minister to them on the phone with the word of God. Folks, God is able to make He's mighty, he's able, he's willing. Are you? All he needs is a yielded vessel and then it says abound, that's the matter of it. Folks, the Bible says and God is able to make all grace abound and then it's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the motion of it towards you. Now why would he do that? Let me close with this thought. Why would he bless you? Why would he bless you to live in America why would he bless you with intellect? Some of y'all are very smart. You're a lot smarter than your pastor. But I want to tell you something, folks. God blesses you with more than just intelligence. He gives you wisdom to fear God, to honor God, to reverence God. But he gives you wisdom on how to to transplant his life, how to transport his life, how to radiate his life, how to uh, transcend above your little old life and let God be who he is through you and prove that his shovel's bigger than your spoon. Amen, or his spoon's bigger than your shovel as Brother uh, Stenett Blue used to preach all the time here. Folks, God is able and God is able to abound and God is able to abound towards you. Isn't that personal? And then listen, last but not least, listen to this, look at this verse real quick. It says that ye always having all sufficiency in all things. Folks, here it is. Here's the means of it. All sufficiency. Don't doubt God. Don't doubt God. He's able. God's grace is able. This whole two chapters is dealing with the grace of giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at verse 15. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says, For we know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for His sake, your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Are you rich because somebody's touched your life? I mean spiritually. Come on, think about it. When you was a little junior boy, who did you sit under? I sat under Mr. Lawrence, and he reminds me so much of of, of Brother Lamar. And we thought he was old. He was about 68 years old. We thought he was ancient. But that man would pray over us, and he'd teach us the word of God, Brother Mark and he'd spend time with us, and he'd put up with our shaganigans and our hyperactivity. I was always the best kid in the class. Not really. I was the hyper kid in the class. And I wanna tell you something, the day I got saved, the first person I looked back to was Mr. Lawrence, sitting on the next to last row. And he was smiling, but as he was smiling, tears were dripping over his smile because one of his boys, one of his little junior boys got saved. And I was so shy, I didn't speak to my sister, so he had no idea I'd be a preacher. But folks, I want to tell you something, he invested in my life. He invested in my life. When I got to the youth department, had two guys, Billy Kelly and and uh, Scott Manning, uh, not Scott Manning, but uh, uh, Chris Manning, and they were Georgia Tech students, and I thought it was so great that somebody in college would identify with a son of a drunk, and he took me on. He took me out to eat, and he and he took me out soul And they those, those young uh, college students, uh, maybe they just graduated and had great jobs, and and they had great cars, and and they'd take the whole class in their car, pack us in there. And I'll never forget, we'd stop at red lights and do a red light challenge, and we'd get out and run around the car and then get back. You wouldn't do that now, praise God, amen. You well, you might, but you get arrested. And folks, I thought, man, those young, those young uh, uh, college and career guys spent time with me, invested in me, took me so well, taught me to love people, taught me to love the Word of God. And they always checked on me when I missed a Sunday. And they always looked and see if I was sitting next to my mama when she showed up. And if I wasn't there, they knew I was sick or I had to stay home with daddy because something was wrong at the house. And Folks, I want to tell you something. They invested in my life. And then I want you to see it real quick. Maybe just slide over to uh, the, the slide number six, is that it's a cycle. Because the last verse of that, last phrase of that word is, it may abound to every good work. You see that? It abound to every good work. Why does God bless you? I'm closing with this now. First of all, he blesses you because he's able to bless you. God is able. And then and then, then uh, it's, it's the might of it. God is able. He's mighty. He's enough. You yield to him, he'll give you the grace to give. He'll give you the grace to sow. He'll give you the grace to be kind. He'll give you the grace to love. He'll give you the grace to take the word of God and, and be bold when you have to be bold and brave to be a witness. He'll give you the grace to be separated and different and sanctified by his word and be a good witness and a salt and a light to a dark and dismal world. But then the measure of it, it's all grace. Then the matter of it, it's, it's abounding. Then it's the motion of it. Go to, go to slide six, the chart, if it's, it's clear. It might not be. But folks, listen, it's towards you And then the means of it, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, and then the last part of it is that it may abound to every good work. That it might abound to every good work. So it's a cycle of grace. Folks, God blesses you to be a blessing. God gives you life to tell people about life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Folks, he comes to give you life and life more abundant. The devil comes to steal and to kill. But the the Lord has come to give you life and life more abundant. How is people going to know that if you don't sow the seed, plant your life as an investor, and folks, take the five, take the ten, take the one, take the two talents, and give it out, and give it and invest it, and then God comes and doubles it. So you see, God blesses you to be a blessing. And I don't think God blesses you just to be stagnant, to be careful, to be comfortable or to be complacent or be casual. I believe God blesses you to be committed to yield to the grace of God and let this cycle of sufficiency move through your life and let that cycle of sufficiency, the grace of God, so bountifully. I wish I had time to Read verses 11 through 15, but it talks about being enriched Christians. And, folks, that word is a bakery term that means um, like a pastry that's filled. You ever had a cream-filled donut? Praise God, I love them. You can tell I love them. And, folks, I want to tell you something. We ought to be a refreshing, delightful Christian. We ought to be a Christian that practices sowing and, votes sowing by faith. We ought to be like a farmer. We ought to be sowing. And we ought to expect a return and know that God has called us to invest. I want to close this series next, next Wednesday on you measure your life by faith. But I want to tell you something, friend. You measure your life by how much you are abounding in the work of the Lord. So that last phrase again on 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that you may abound to every good I want to tell you why so many people are miserable as a Christian. They're stagnant. I want to tell you something. It takes sacrifice to give. It takes sacrifice to get out of your comfort zone. It takes sacrifice to witness. You've got to dethrone pride. Oh, what if I say the wrong thing? Well, praise God, the Lord can use even your mistakes. Just give them the word of God. That won't be the wrong thing. Say Amen then, friend, when you step out by faith and you sow what God's given you and you give what God's given you, he takes it and multiplies it. And people are saved because your life was a vessel of grace. And so as I close this series, how's your investment life? If, if somebody came up to you right now and said, Hey, I got the retirement program where you can make a thousand percent guaranteed percentage gain, how many of you would do that? If you checked out the guy and knew he wasn't a charlatan and some crook, amen? Got to watch that. Oh, no, you'd jump at it. You'd give you $100 so he'd come back a thousand. You sure would. Well, I'm going to tell you something God's investment program is eternal, and it's more than a thousand percent. It's for eternity. And so when you give your life as a vessel of mercy and a vessel of grace, God says, okay, I'll double it. But if you take your one life and keep it to yourself, the Bible says, depart from me into everlasting damnation. But if you give what God's given you, and some of y'all are so talented and so blessed and so intelligent and so healthy, folks, God, and and so American, you're here in America where there's freedom to witness. You don't have to worry about persecution. If you take that seed that God's planted in your heart and you give it out, God said it'll come back to you, more grace and more grace. And it'll abound for his glory his honor. I've told this illustration too many times, but when I was in vacation Bible school as a kid, I'll never forget it, making popsicle um, birdhouses. Bo- popsicle stick birdhouses. I'll never forget that. Mine never did turn out right because I didn't have my patience put all the popsicles in the right way. But this, guy, this lady got up and she, she showed a, a picture, a flanograph. You, you remember those things? Flanograph. Now we have overhead projectors and have these great tools. But a flanograph of the Red Sea and the Dead Sea. And the Red Sea was alive and vibrant, and the Dead Sea was stagnant and dying, and it was just a, a black sea that was just stagnant and death all around. And she said, children, what made the difference? And she said, well, the Red Sea has an inlet, but it has an outlet. The Dead Sea had an inlet and no outlet. I remember that long as I live, and when I when I was struggling and fearful about preaching the gospel and being a pastor and getting in full time ministry and giving up my business career, I said, "Wait a minute! I'd rather be a red sea than a dead sea. I'd rather have an outlet, and I'll just go by faith, get out of my comfort zone, go by faith, and I'll invest my life, not in General Electric company that I had the executive." ladder all planned out for me by my uncle who died of a massive heart attack on christmas eve but i said lord i'll just give you my life and i laid my life down on the altar that night and i asked god to use me and he started to open up doors and immediately a preacher that started a church in Claxton, georgia called me and said would you be my youth pastor i said why me And he'd heard about a Bible club I'd started when I broke my leg and couldn't play soccer anymore at George State University. And I was sitting there having a Bible study and some of those kids were getting saved in that Bible study. And he said, I want you to be my youth pastor. And I got in the ministry. And I'm going to tell you this. I wouldn't change it for a thousand lives to be able to invest my life in the furtherance of the gospel and for his glory. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, that we measure our life by our investment. And God, it's a sure investment because you said your word would never return void. It's a sure investment because, Lord, your Holy Spirit's the grace that's sufficient, that's always abounding, that's always sufficient. And God, that it abounds to a ministry. And Without a ministry, we stop the flow. Without a ministry... We stop the blessings. And, Lord, we just wilt away in fruitlessness. So, God, help us to be fruitful, faithful, flowing Christians with your grace to others. God, help us to measure our life, but not what we get, but what we can give for the furtherance of the gospel and for your glory. God, help us to give our testimony this week. Help us, God, to give some love. God, help us to give some compassion. Help us to give up some of our time for others. And God, help us to be a blessing because you've blessed us as a sacred trust to be a blessing. With every head bowed, every eye closed, have me say, Preacher, I want to measure my life tonight. I want to evaluate my life from God's perspective. And I know that I need to invest more of my life for God's glory and for the furtherance of the gospel. And I don't want to live just for myself because I I know it won't be sufficient. I know it won't be satisfying and I know it won't be fulfilling because God has called me threefold, saved me, bought me, created me and sustained me to be his vessel. And I just want to sow bountifully for his glory, that I might one day reap bountifully for his glory. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you lift your hand real high that you want your life to count for God? Yes, all over this place. Someone else, God bless you and you and you and you. Now, in order to do that, it all starts with salvation. If you're not saved, you ought to come tonight during this invitation. We'll show you in the Bible how to be saved if you're not saved. But I'll tell you this, my friend, your life given to him will be multiplied for eternity. God will use you to be a blessing to so many. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God, for the opportunity of a lifetime. That's to worship you one more time on this side of the rapture. And I pray that you give us many more times, but if it's your will, Lord, we'll thank you that we can face you one day. Lord, we want to face you with the, hear the words, well done, our good and faithful servant. You've been an investor. You've been a, you've been a, a sower. You've been selfless. You've been sacrificial. You've been faithful. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We want to hear that, Lord, not that we can have the joy of the Lord, but that we can bring joy to your heart for pleasing you, that we might fulfill our intended purpose of life. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.